Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast. Episode 101. Should we go back to one? Um, episode zero, in case you're just joining us. No, we're, we're not getting new people. This is a hardcore podcast. You like it or you don't. Um, as some of the comments said, no, I'm kidding. But yes, thank you all for the hundredth uh, episode. Uh, people listened. Um, it was a bigger uh, listenership than usual. So I guess what I just said was bullshit. Um, and uh, I appreciate everything that you guys wrote. I'll uh, read some of it in a little bit. Uh, but first up, Miles, what's up? Hey, I'm here. I guess this is the Dalmatians episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I got spots on me. I'm fine with that. Um. Don't, don't forgive me if I'm a little disappointed because I I talked to Kevin Smith today, so you're not Kevin Smith. So it's, <laughs> well, fuck fuck comparison. me, I guess. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I mean, considering what you, I mean, you guys will hear that conversation soon. But boy, did we do everything but drop each other's pants. Um, it went well. We'll put it that way. And then again, like you know, I'm pretty good at being enthusiastic in interviews because that's you know whether you care or not, it's part of the game. Like you know, someone's. I mean, think back to, I don't want to, we're not going to make fun of Bruce Wallace, but do you remember his thing about like promoting things is not the fun part and he was being all pissy about it? Yeah. For like Red 2 or whatever, which, which I wouldn't be happy talking about that. Well, yeah, exactly. Pretty bad situation. Exactly. He had the, he was still cognizant enough then to be like, this movie? Oh, fuck. But, you know, you should put on a smile and, and, and you know, make it work unless you're Joaquin Phoenix. But I think there's a fair assumption that the people who are also doing it should be enthusiastic. Like, it should be a two-way street in a way. Yeah. Because also, if you don't care about the movie, why are you here? Um, especially these kind of things where, like, you're kind of reaching out. But this was a rare, like, you know, we're both very enthusiastic. This is the equivalent of, like, some of those interviews where I know the people a little bit. And we just are, like, in the middle of a conversation. It was good. You guys will hear it soon. Um, I guess that also spoils that I have, in fact, seen Clerks 3 even though that was a very poorly kept secret the last couple of weeks. But um, the embargo on that is September 5th. So right after you get hearing about done hearing about all the things I saw at Telluride, bated breath, my reaction to Clerks 3. Can you imagine what he was going to what he's going to think? Do you think he might like Clerks 3 directed by Kevin Smith, Mr. Biggest Kevin Smith possible. fan over here? Do you think that's possible, possible. ladies and gentlemen? I mean... I'm not going to say that the opening of my interview with Kevin Smith was showing him my various Kevin Smith shirts, but I'm not going to say that wasn't part of it. But again, if there was ever a filmmaker to do that with, maybe Tarantino. But like, that's the that's the filmmaker to do that with. Also, quickly, I want your take on this. And at one point, I brought up, you know, in the 90s, there were a lot of like, rip-off Tarantino films. Yeah. And there were a lot of like, rip off Kevin Smith films, Guy Ritchie, like very specific filmmakers tend to have the idea of like, oh, I can make that movie. And nine times out of 10, they can't. Well, I think we talked about it when we talked about Bullet Train. There's not a lot of good, like, oh, this is a rip off of X. Yeah, yeah. And I mentioned that to him and it was kind of like funny. I'm just like, it's a real backhanded comic because even if it's good, it's like, oh, you did a good rip off of someone. You got a good chuckle out of that. He's like, he, he called Clerks 3 his ripoff of a Kevin Smith movie. I thought that was clever. Oh, God. I don't know whether but, that means I would like it or dislike it more. I don't know. I'd be interested to see if you see it. 
I mean, I won't, but, um, you know, just. <laughs> yeah, it might it might come your way in a convenient way, but if not, I wouldn't. It's not up your alley, so it doesn't really matter. Um, before we get into the movie stuff, our, like, bullshit question for the beginning that I usually have been bringing up. That's how we got into video games and food. Um, what was the worst date you ever went on? Oh, jeez. I was going to ask about, like, a good date, but you're kind of forced to talk about, like, a date with Kelly now. True or not? I'm assuming it's true, but you would have to answer no matter what. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, wow. I wish you'd given me some time to prep this one. Uh, oh, there's so many? No, I'm just trying to think. <laughs> well, because... I mean, I'll tell, you, I, I'll tell you one way you think if you want. Uh, well, all I'll say is that, like, I've definitely had some bad t- dates in my time. I do have to think about it. But I'll tell you right off the bat, my worst date has not been one with Kelly. <laughs> there th- there were know, some doozies in college. No, I was going to say your best one. Ha- I was saying your best one has to be with her. Oh, yeah. No, it is. Legally. Um, also, you know, as a general rule, the person you marry, you tend to have gone on a good date. You don't, it doesn't tend to start with a disaster. No, I mean, it may be hard to believe, but Kelly and I actually get along pretty well. Yeah, no, I noticed. (laughs) Um, at least, at least for now, check, we'll, we'll do check-in periodically. Oh, cheers. But, uh, yeah, no, the, um, yeah, it would be weird if you're like, no, love of my life, but my best date was this girl I hung out with twice. Yeah. Like, especially she's in the other room. I would just hear the sound of something connecting with your skull. Well, okay, real quick. This, um, I don't know if it even yeah. counts as a date, but best, like oh. when I immediately knew like, oh, okay, Kelly might actually have some staying power was like, we had a lazy day on like a Saturday or something. And we got up early and just like, I think we watched seven and a half movies in one day, just back to back to back to back. Yeah. It's like, okay, okay. She can hang. Yeah. That was a similar one for me with um, my most recent ex of like, Wait, it's 6 a.m. Were we watching movies that long? And, you know, like, watching TV, movies, music. Like, I I was very tickled when I realized, what is it, like Alexa or something like that? When you could just yell songs at it and it'll start playing. Right. I was very tickled by that and started doing it. Also, if you just yell words at it, sometimes it'll start looking at what the song could be and play something. And yelling inappropriate words at it sometimes led to it playing a song. And I found some very funny songs out of that. So I was very delighted early on by that. And I guess that's also staying power. No one kicked me out of her apartment for yelling random curses at a machine. Well, there you go. But exactly. Um, here, I'll give you a bad one while you think of yours. Um, this is actually a, a fairly recent one. This is one of my first, like, return to dating dates. Uh, Central Park, usually a good, a good like, walk around kind of thing. Um, seemed to be going well. Asked about a second date at the end, as you want to do, and uh, was declined which is fine. And I uh, inquired as to why. And uh, the reason I was given was that I don't have kids. Now, you're familiar with dating apps, right? Okay. You're familiar with the concept of the dating app, if not, you know, recently, right? You, you can put if you have kids. Right. Like that information is available before is available. like the date commences. Yes. I did bring that up. I was like, but you knew that. So here's, here's the kicker. She was like, yes, but I was kind of hoping you were lying. <laughs> About not having kids. Yes. Just was hoping that I was pulling a big con because she w- likes kids and wants to be a mom but doesn't want to have kids, which is a completely valid way of going about your life. But that if that's something that's a big deal, you probably requires informing people. That. And this is someone I talked to for like two, three weeks before we met up. So like there was ample opportunity to be like, I don't know if this has like a future. I, I wasn't even particularly upset so much as I was just blown away by like, wait, what? 
Like it's so specific that I feel like it has to be true. Like you wouldn't lie about that. You make up a much baser lie if you were just trying to like get out of it. Well, yeah, it's such a weird, I don't know. I think you missed a gem there. (laughs) I mean, she was cool, but apparently not. Um, That one, or there was a very um, unique ghosting getting stood up for a date, which I always feel like is harder in the modern age because you're, you're in more consistent contact. Right. A little harder to stand someone up. I had, it happened twice in my life. Once someone just, when I got to the place and I said, I'm there, they texted me and went, oh, I thought we canceled. Just skip the part where they canceled to just assume that like, oh, I must have missed a text. I was like, oh, you made other plans and forgot about this. Cool. The other one was, and then you can go with yours. Somebody uh, wanted to um, have me come over and decorate their Christmas tree, which I don't know if that was a euphemism or not. I never found out. But the plan was to meet at a bar, have a drink, and then go decorate a Christmas tree. She chose a bar across the street from her house. Sure. And then never showed. Mm. When I was coming to the bar across the street from her house and knew where her house was. It was such a strange choice. They're just like, never mind. Like, which, whatever. I, I, I'm i always puzzled by the people who, who just be like, if I never respond, maybe they'll go away. Like, just say you're busy or you changed your mind. Like, I don't know. I'm a big communication person. Hell, I do a podcast every week, but um, apparently not. Um, And this is not because of anything recent. I just literally thought of this as we started as a fun, like, I'm just curious what Miles has to say. Also, maybe you guys will comment on some of your best or worst uh, dating experiences. There you go. Unless you dated either one of us, then keep your mouth shut. There you go. Engagement. Yeah. Well, literally, in some cases. Yeah. All right. So I've got two stories for you. Uh, So... uh, the first one is um, uh, I did meet a girl online uh, and, uh, you know, we decided to go to uh, a nice restaurant and she chose the restaurant and I didn't think much of it. She's like, oh, I know this place. And it's like, oh, OK, yeah, no, if you like it, let's go for it. Uh, it's a little pricey, which is always, you know, hesitant on the first date. It's, you know, <laughs> I don't know that I wanted yeah, to commit that t- much to it. Um, I've, I've done that before. It's never been a good idea. So the um, it was one of those things where we could tell like within 10 to 15 minutes that, oh, no, there's no connection here. This is going to be a one and done. I think we could both kind of tell, but we had already kind of committed to the meal. But here's the here's the catch. This was a fondue restaurant. Oh, so you're and if you know anything about basically, well, not just that. If you know anything about me, I'm lactose intolerant. I can't do fondue. So we had like a three-course fondue meal where I'm like nibbling at the fruit they have on the side or whatever. And like that's – and it's expensive and like we're both making awkward small talk knowing that like we don't want to see it through. And like I don't know. On reflection, there are so many opportunities to get out. But yeah, you you don't want to be – I didn't want to be rude. I don't want to stand her up certainly. But like – I've only done that once fondue restaurant because i don't like cheese so like obviously it's not my vibe i took my prior long-term ex to one because i was also giving her um a promise ring like it was like a pre-engagement type thing because clearly my plans for engagement work out great in my life as you know um and that was like you can have the meal you want i'll like order the one thing with no cheese on the menu which was like schnitzel or something like that and like i'll eat later but yeah if that was a first date i would have been miserable and or Maybe had to call it. I don't know. 
That's bad. Yeah, we we didn't stick around for dessert, to suffice to say. Yeah. I was going to jokingly say, is, is, does the story involve the one time I came to visit you in college? No. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> we can keep that one off there. Yeah. Um, and then I do have one more story to tell. This one didn't happen to me, but I think it's just it's such a tragic story. Did it happen to one of your brothers? Uh, it happened to Kelly. Uh, oh, even better. So Kelly, I've heard the story a few times and it's like it blows my mind and pisses me off at the same time. Um, but this is she like. You know, she has a mantle of like, this is the by far the worst date I've ever been on. So, sure. uh, you know, I think she went to see. So she met this guy at the movies. They went to see, I think, Casino Royale. And okay. um, he got a bunch of like one of those trays of nachos with the cheese. Yeah. And somehow, like either early on in the movie or before it started, he managed to or maybe even during the movie. I don't know. He managed to spill the nacho cheese all over her lap. As one does. As one does. And, like, not only did he, like, not apologize, but he didn't, like, she had to go out into the lobby with nacho cheese all over her lap to, like, clean herself up. Like, he wouldn't. He did everything but start dipping on her lap. Yeah, basically. Like, he didn't lift a finger to actually help her clean it up. And it's like, you know, obviously I'm biased because she's my wife now. But even still, like, I hear that. It's like, oh, that dude, like, I kind of want to, I kind of want to fight him. Yeah, wherever no, he is in the world, I kind of want to fight him. Yeah, I hope he's mildly upset at best. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you, where, yeah, whenever you, whenever you're dating someone, you hear about their bad dating stories. It's partly funny because you kind of like the the mild tease, but also you're just like, oh, you were hanging out with like an awful human being. Well, and, and so the kicker is, he still tried to go in for a kiss after, after not cleaning up the mess he made on her. <laughs> like, of course, of course, you would. That's, that's just what you do, apparently. Uh, yeah, uh, garbage people. Gotta love them. Um, speaking of garbage people, you saw Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Oh, that was a good segue. Yeah, I, I couldn't resist. Um, I'm curious what you what you I saw what you what you wrote about it, and I'm just curious compared to what I said. Like, I think the movie's fine. It's just it is a lot to ask to spend that much time with people who are written to be unlikable, but really are unlikable. Yeah, so, yeah, I think fine is the operative word. I definitely didn't dislike it significantly, but I didn't get a lot out of it either. Um, The performances are all good. It's got a, you know, distinctive visual style. The the, the use of black is very good. Yeah. Being in darkness, very good. Well, and the way they use, like, the glow glow stick necklaces that the one character has and, like, like, minimal lighting, like... They're going for a vibe, certainly, or like the light that the phones give off. Like, yeah, yeah there's something to it for sure. Um, yeah, I think all the actors are good in it. Um, it's and I appreciate what it's trying to do from like a satirical standpoint, where it's like skewering how like you know these spoiled people are like weaponizing victim culture and like you know yeah. using all these buzzwords that they don't 100 percent understand the meaning of. But like, yeah, they yell at each other that they're triggered, and it's it, it it's sort of funny. But also doesn't land maybe, I think, as well as they think it does. No, and I think that's my thing is it's not – I wouldn't call this a a satire with some horror elements. I would call it a pretty straightforward horror slash murder mystery with a sprinkling of satirical elements. You know what I mean? They're yeah. they're the seasoning, yeah. but they're not the main course. And so In the way that like Saw Six isn't a satire, it's a horror movie that has a little bit of satire to give it a personality. That's actually a really good example. Exactly. Cause it's like 
every now and then there is an exchange where you're like, oh, okay, yeah, like they kind of made a point there. or Oh, that was a funny exchange or stuff like that. Like there is good stuff with that, but it's just so few and far between. And most of the movie is just, like you said, like viciously unlikable characters. Like there's not a the closest one to likable is probably Lee Pace, but he's like clearly like blitzed out of his mind and like is like not present for a large chunk of it or i guess the other fred because he's irrelevant essentially yeah but even he's a fucking douche nozzle uh like it's true when also when he shows up and is like uh <laughs> like oh okay yeah that's your reaction to what's been going on yeah also this is a movie where um somebody says the most vicious thing they can think of and it's i hate listen to your podcast yeah and like everyone like looks like oh they're devastated and it's like again yeah. if they if they made that more the core identity of the movie i think it would totally work but the problem is the vast majority of it is this kind of it's not quite a slasher movie it's more of a like murder mystery with a higher than usual body count um yeah. but it's you are just like it'll be like you know 10 to 15 minutes of like them just like scuttling around or wandering around in the darkness. And then like something will happen and they'll reconvene and just like shout a bunch of buzzwords and yell at each other and argue and talk about their personal baggage and whatever. And by the end of it, you're just like, there's not a single person here I can root for. I think you're meant to sympathize the most with the Maria Baklova character, but she just doesn't have much of a personality or like anything really to latch onto beyond oh, she's not a junkie and now she's surrounded by all these junkies and now she's become a junkie, kind of. But like... Yeah, her outsider status is a narrative choice that oddly just makes her boring. Well, yeah, she just comes across as very flat. And even when she does, like, you know, start tripping and doing other things, you know, any entertainment value from that is short-lived. And then she's just kind of... They're all pretty straightforward the you know amanda listed the game itself is also a little disappointing well and it barely factors into the movie the way it's structured and the way the trailers play it up and heck even the title it makes you feel like oh okay it's all going to be kind of centered or at least structured around this game but they drop that pretense really quickly and then like they play one round <laughs> and then like you know at the end of it it's like oh it's probably whoever was in the game or whatever's like oh yeah they were playing a game like it just isn't yeah. that big of a factor and yeah, like, I don't know. It's like, I want to like it more than I do, because I do think everyone in it is sure. doing great with what they have. Amanda Stenberg in particular, I think is really effective. And like, even when you discover more about her character and how awful she actually is, like, she's still like, constantly engaging to watch. Um, What's interesting that they do that, that is a good point, because I think the characters that seem more overtly awful are sort of the least awful. Like, Pete Davidson is presented as the most obnoxious character, but he's... But he's fine by... Like, like, yeah, like he's, he's not, a, like, he's at the higher guy, end he's not of... like, evil. He's not at the higher end of awfulness that, when you look at the group of them. No, he's he's actually the only... He's maybe the only one who I don't think commits a crime. Yeah. Potentially. Possibly, yeah. Like, he's not, like, a... He's not a great guy, but, like... He doesn't... The only person he's treating kind of poorly is the guy he feels threatens by, threatened by, and that's more of, like getting into their like toxic masculinity kind of skewering that they do a little bit of yeah but it's but just a teensy of, like, how amount he treats the women yeah he's his he and his girlfriend have like a uh argue with each other relationship it's not anything too um like it's not as out there as everything else like especially like rachel senat who's who's good in the movie she's very funny i liked her a lot baby 
But yeah, she's the one who's getting the most mileage out of the like, okay, you got to be like 11 level awful, but in a way that your friends are supposed to like have to deal with you. Yeah. No, she felt like a very believable character. And like, I've been to parties where there's somebody like that. And like that sort of self-centered mentality of like putting yourself in the middle of every conversation. Uh, So no, I thought she was very good. Yeah, listen, everybody's great. It's just the characters are written to be unlikable and probably intended to be in a satirical kind of way. But whether it's satire or not, at a certain point, you are just spending the movie exclusively with terrible people. If there was like one of them that you could kind of get a lifeline on, but it doesn't really play out that way. So yeah, I just, I think it's fine. I don't think it is nearly warranting a lot of the hype it's been getting. I also thought the twist. Thumbs up, thumbs down. It's good, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's more on the good side than the bad side, but it's got a twist at the end that I know they're anticipating is going to be a big, oh, oh my God, I didn't see that coming. What the heck kind of moment. And like, based on film Twitter, it has been working for some people. I saw it coming within the first 30 minutes because once you get a real beat on the characterization of all the characters, it starts to become, without giving anything away, like most of these people probably aren't coherent or competent enough to have any yeah. tricks up their sleeve. Well, they're, they're presenting, I think they do an, an interesting job with it. Cause I think, I think the main problem with the movie and the reason that we, we mostly talk about we're complaining about is because it could have been great. Well, like, that's just the thing. I think the ingredients are there. Like I would still put it above like a spring breakers, which has a lot of the same aesthetic, but, but sure. this one feels you know more competent with the, with the ending. They, they basically want you to think there's one of two possibilities before they get to the third one. The problem is, I, I was very similar. Like, I presented myself with a third possibility early on, so I am always was thinking of that. Yeah. And it becomes more and more likely as you go through, just because of, you know, like, we've seen movies. So, like, certain, was it, what did, what did Roger Ebert call it? The law, law of preservation of characters? Yeah. Like, the longer they're in a movie, the more important they are. So that narrows down one thing, and, and it leans you in the direction of what, I think they want you to think until they go with the other direction. We're being very vague in case you haven't seen it, but we don't have to be vague much longer. I think the movie's had its moment, but yeah, yeah once you get to it, it's also a, like a twist quote unquote that's used for a comedy beat first, which is, I guess it works. I don't know. It was just a weird, like, Oh, this is what it's like. And I cackle that like kind of the, the mild audacity, but also going, Oh, they really did go that way. Well, that's the thing. I think in a, different or better context it is a really good twist that i think could be used to really good effect but i think it's the movie itself is a little unfocused and so like you're only half engaged with the mystery and then by the time you get there it's just like okay yeah that checks out more than oh i mean if you really want to get technical the mildest of spoilers for this like that phone would not be working like and still on what it's on. No, oh, I know, I know. Well, yeah, none of that but stuff makes any sense. That, I mean, that's that's the same with these phones have to be have to work the entire night just because that's well, yeah, with nobody charging them. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll talk about that in a second when I talk about Barbarian because there's a lot of camera camera phone as light, but that's also a much better movie. Okay. So what's what? Any final thoughts on Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? No, it's just it's fine. It's nothing special. Fine, fine. It, it is. Very much a movie that, like, if you're curious about it, check it out whenever it's streaming. But this is not a check it out in the theater movie. This is not a pay money for the theater movie. No, I mean, this is uh, it wouldn't go on our Mount A25, A24 more. No, which is ironic that it's the one that spurred that um, 
that question. Exactly. Um, Barbarian, on the other hand, is very good. Um, I'll be incredibly vague because know nothing about this movie going in. I didn't know anything. And I was uh, constantly delighted by it. It's very tense and does a very cool thing of, and I did watch the trailer afterwards to see what they were revealing. The trailer does an okay job of it, but does that thing at the end where it clearly is like piecing together parts of the movie to show you like, I, I love that so much of the movie is just building on the what the fuckness of it. And I really appreciate when a movie commits to that of like, okay, we're just a little bit weird. We're weirder. We're weirder. Can you believe this? It's this. It has a, I don't want to set expectations high by saying it, but in the same way that like Parasite did a great job of like upping the ante throughout the movie. Sure. Like, oh, you think we're done with like blowing your mind? Even if it's just a little bit, we got another thing we got, we got for you. And this movie does does that. Um, it's it's maybe more of a thriller than a horror movie. It's also shot almost like a found footage movie. It's not, but I did like that a lot of the camera is close in on the characters' POV as they walking, not on them, but very much you see what they see, and it does a good job with some of the tension. Whether it's the uh, the house, because the, the basic premise for someone who doesn't know it's. Um, a woman shows up to her Airbnb and someone else is already there. And because it's a movie, she decides to stay with him. And if this was the Katie Holmes movie alone together, they would fall in love. Um, this movie is different. So they're, they're there and she feels very kind of put off by him. He's a little weird. And the more she stays there and, and discovers the house, there seems to be something off. And the trailer kind of ends with you realizing, oh, there's a staircase? Like, in the basement going somewhere? That seems weird. And that's early on in the movie. And I, I can confirm, it's weird. But so good. And and really pulls a huge... Not even a 180, but there's a perspective shift in this movie that is wild. It's very fun. Okay, right on. Well, yeah, I mean, I've heard yeah. nothing but good things from a movie that when I saw the trailer, I thought, okay, that looks fine. But apparently it's it's something. <laughs> yeah, it is it is it is very memorable. It's up there with, with the best horror of the year so far. Even though, like I said, it's got as much of a thriller element to it as anything else, though it gets it gets a little gnarly towards the end. And I and I told you before this, you'll like it because also a lot of practical gore when they go gore. Nice. Yeah. Um and once we see once you see it, sometimes it's easier to talk vaguely about something with someone else who knows where I'm going. Because I want to bring up something, but I don't want to get there yet. So you'll see it in, I think, like two weeks. Yeah, so whenever we'll, it comes out, I guess we'll it's it's going to be an opening night. <laughs> it's uh, Oh, it, sh- it should definitely be an opening night. Uh, I'm going to tell you when it comes out right now. It's sometime in September, Barbarian, right? The ninth. Oh, soon. Yeah, so um, I guess during my Toronto stay, when we talk about Toronto, we'll, we'll also talk about uh, Barbarian, which kind of feels like a midnight movie for Toronto and it just is opening before that. Interestingly enough, um, more to talk about Toronto soon. Um, and, and we're going to talk more about festivals later, but I want to talk about some of our questions. So we got, uh, one from Ryan McDermott as always. And, uh, I know you like the other question we're going to do, but you're going to like this one too. Okay. Filmholic face off. Antoine Fuqua films. <laughs> well, it was a matter of time. Yeah. 
I mean, you're going to like it less when you have to list, list these, but, you know. He also did something not cool. But, you know, we know his vibe. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, first up, King Arthur or Shooter? Um, Boy, do you know what we're in for now? Yeah, geez. Um, I remember very little of either of these films, but I guess I remember King Arthur a little more, if only by virtue of the people who are in it. So I guess I go there, but it's not by much. Uh, I'll go Shooter because King Arthur, I, I remember being bad. Also, like, disaster, right? Wasn't it, like, a huge financial... That might be his one, like... Well, yeah, but money got out of hand. So right? is every King Arthur movie. I think that property is just cursed. King Arthur and Robin Hood. Yeah, like, yeah. They, they keep trying and they're always like so, so to bad and bomb at the box office. Like, give it up. Yeah. It's almost like we're not interested anymore. Shooter is thoroughly forgettable, but I think was fairly profitable. Uh, and like very like Mark, Mark Wahlberg at his like red state hero type that he played. As if the, like, what was the movie, Joe Bell? Like, if Joe Bell went to war. Oh, Jesus. That kind of guy. Yeah, I guess so. Is his name, like, like Jack Lee Swagger or something like Bobby that? Bobby Lee a, Swagger, yeah. 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 same thing. That's, that's um, the biggest like, thing I remember from the movie, though. Like, yeah, King Arthur, I at Swagger. least go, oh, yeah, Mods Mickelson was in that. Shooter also wildly overqualified in terms of its cast. But, you know, welcome to Antoine Fuqua. He gets good casts. Yep. Um, the, the Equalizer or Southpaw? Spoiler alert, these are actually both good movies. Um, Not like amazing, but like they're both, I would say, successful. So I didn't see The Equalizer. Um, You'd like it. Yeah, I think we've talked about it on a previous episode. Um, yeah, because I've sold it to you as saying the um, like the climax, which I think happens in like a Home Depot, but is all Denzel Washington setting like Saw style traps for people? Yeah, see, I'm into that. Um, yeah. I did see Southpaw, but I did. I think Gyllenhaal's good in it, but otherwise, I didn't think He's much very, of it. Yeah, it's it's fine. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little controversial. I'm gonna go with uh, the Equalizer, even though I haven't seen it, because mm. the idea of that and the description of that ending is more interesting to me than anything that happened in Southpaw. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, it's probably the only like super interesting part of that movie. Like, it's fine, but that's the highlight of the movie for me. I was like, this is a solid like dad action movie. Oh, this is like. A little more violent and weird than I thought. Um, but Ryan knew you were going to do that. So the next one was The Equalizer 2 or The Magnificent 7. <laughs> well, so you're forced to pick The Magnificent 7. Well, but I've been on the record. I don't mind his version of The Magnificent 7. I don't think it's great, but it's it's a solid... You've got to vote for a movie you don't mind. Well, I mean, that's going to be all of these, though. I, I haven't heard a single movie that I like yet. <laughs> but well, he's Yeah, I guess. But, um, you know, Magnificent 7 is a totally fine... TNT turn your brain off movie and I haven't seen the equalizer 2. Sure. I'll go equalizer 2 just cuz I was very let down by Magnificent 7. Equalizer 2 is not as good as the first one but is fine. That's one of the Equalizer 2 is the rare like I think Denzel looks bored movies and that's a shame. Oh no. Um yeah, I I, I which is funny cuz I think they might be making a third one. Go figure. Uh next up Olympus has fallen or Infinite. You probably didn't see Infinite. I don't think I saw Olympus Has Fallen either. That's the Jared Butler White House. No, I saw White House Down instead, and I hated that. White House Down is the Emirates one. Yeah. Well, I remember they came out the same year, and I saw White House Down, yeah. and I hated it. And then I read somewhere, it's like, oh, that's the better one. It's like, oh, well, I'm definitely not watching Olympus Has Fallen. I, then. I did I did like White House Down better. It's dumb in the way that like Roland Emmerich makes dumb movies, 
but almost I, I, this threatens to be a tangent but is Roland Emmerich actually better when his dumb movies are smaller in scale shy of Independence Day because Independence Day does work but like the Independence Day sequel is huge um, Moonfall is huge like the bigger he goes Godzilla like they tend to be worse like, I mean, yes, I but that's say- also kind of reaching for a trend when I think the easier answer is that he hasn't made a good movie that isn't Independence Day. Maybe Stargate. Stargate's fine, but it's not anything special. No, I think it's by comparison to some of his other things. But like I most of them are I, like, I, like the upper echelon has stuff like The Day After Tomorrow because it's fine as opposed to terrible. And like 2012 and stuff where you're like, yeah, you you love to make things, you love to kill a lot of people. Off screen. Um, he has a template, doesn't he? Boy, does he. But yeah, like, Midway is bad. No, no, we are doing it. We're, we're looking this up. Universal Soldier might be one of his good ones. Uh, it might be. I've never seen it's it. It's not good, but like. So he's so he's basically, I think that's his um, English language debut. Yeah. That, I, I then Stargate, then his... Independence Day, I think. Yeah. And then Godzilla, which is terrible. The Patriot is... Oh, The Patriot's like, all right. It's lizard brain. It's all right like, by his that. standards, for sure. I remember um, Clayton used to talk about this on the other podcast from that site we used to write for that doesn't exist anymore. Um, that he loved my quote. They're like, I liked that movie when I was a kid and then I grew up. And I was like, oh, no, this is wildly stupid, this movie. But it's it's very lizard brain. Like, it's super violent, but it feels like a history lesson until you realize, like, boy, isn't it? Well, no, I remember um, we then, watched it... Um, like at school for like you know american history month or whatever or was your history teacher horrified no well so i don't know where they found this but they found like an edited version that like got like all the goriest shots out of there so that movie is 165 minutes long you watched it in 45 minutes yeah i don't know i don't know what it was but like you could all it was always really obvious like this wasn't like an official version. Somebody had gone in and like cut it up or something. And you could they always tell. it? I, maybe. I don't know what they did. Because like every time they would cut a thing, it would then replay like the previous like five to ten seconds before that. Like to I like to like cover it up. we should watch that cut. I, we should watch that cut and review it. I don't know how you would even find it. Like I don't know. That's true. It, I Are th- you sure this isn't like a Be Kind Rewind situation? Did your teacher just re- remake the movie in his backyard? No, like I've seen the movie since then. It is the movie. It's just like, yeah. it's wildly, like I've never seen like a censored thing, like plain censored things. Like they're pretty rough around the edges, but like it, it at least looks like a person did it. Here it's like, did they take like the VHS and try and cut it like a film strip? Like what happened here? I would love to know the answer to that. Um by the way, follows that up with the day after tomorrow. It's fine. Ten thousand BC doesn't exist. Um, the, the this had Oscar Buzz podcast has a saying that I always like, like a movie that fully exists only as a title. That's ten thousand BC. Yeah, I don't think that I've ever had a conversation with somebody who said they saw that movie. No, uh, and he has more than one of those because after twenty twelve, which is fine, um, he does Anonymous, fully a movie that only exists as a title, but like. All the same, it's, it's at least interesting as like a wild left turn for him. Sure. That's why it got Oscar buzz. Remember that? Oh, I like, do. Oh, maybe it's going to be an Oscar movie. You're like, no, it's a Roland Emmerich movie. It's just he's making the Shakespeare action movie, even though there's no action. White House Down, Stonewall, his worst movie. Ooh. Like, Which is saying boy. something, but yes. 
Yeah, and that was his passion project and was like, that was the one that had Oscar buzz. And then did that go to Toronto or Telluride? I'm going to look it up because I remember I saw it. Yep, it played at TIFF on the 18th of September, right before it opened the next week. I think I had seen it. I don't remember if it was a pre-screening or not, but I was like, I think I was embargoed. I remember being like, oh, God. Oh, God, do people think this is going to be a good movie? It's so bad. Like, borderline offensive, too. Oh, not even borderline. That movie is like, oh, it's painful. It's 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 so strange also because in, I'm going to say Roland Emmerich is an, is an out gay man, right? I don't think he's in he's like hot, hidden it in any way, right? Not so no, much. I don't think he was as public b- about it before as maybe he would be now. No, but by the time he makes the movie, he's he's become an activist. Like, you know, he's he's a presence. Like, you can look to him as like, Look, here's one of our most successful filmmakers in the world. Yeah. And he happens to be out. Like, like as in a good way. Not that there's really a bad way to be out. I guess maybe it's Kevin Spacey. It's the only way to be a bad way and be out. Yeah, he, he found that jail. loophole. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to do, but he did. So, like, the idea of, like, I'm going to make the Stonewall movie. In a way, that, like, you remember when Spike Lee was a little mad that was it Scorsese was going to make Malcolm X or Spielberg? Like, I want to make that movie. I should be telling the story. Like, usually that's, like sets a fire under a filmmaker's ass and you really get like their a work yeah and instead like he really likes like very old-fashioned like i said at best borderline offensive like homosexual caricatures of characters it was wild to watch well and that's what's so weird about that movie is that like you can tell how well-intentioned it feels, which makes oh, it intentions e- are amazing. which makes it that much more jarring when it manages to be as offensive as it is also, I, I I believe like it doesn't take a ton of research to look at the actual story and be like, well, Stonewall riots are have a great story to tell, and like maybe it would be, maybe it's better suited for a documentary. But like even having like who throw who threw the uh, you know the first stone as it was, like having it be the Lily White like, oh, I'm figuring myself out, white boy, like that's such a weird like. Oh, I think I'm gonna make money by doing it. It's like no, like tell a story like. Boy, boy, howdy. Yeah, just... Also, he challenges... Go ahead. No, just same thing. Like, just... It's wild that he was that passionate about a story that he got that wrong. Yep. Uh, I mean, as I say, that was his worst movie. Never mind. Independence Day Resurgence really challenges that the next year. It challenges it, but Independence Day Resurgence is just, like, a bad, like, alien invasion movie. Stonewall is, like... Like, that sets so many things back by just existing. It says something that this was the height of Will Smith making... Well, maybe March was the height of Will Smith making bad choices. But bad, like, signing on to film choices. You know, this is like the era of After Earth and um, Collateral Beauty. Like, clearly you need to fire your agent, Will Smith. He turns this movie down. (laughs) Like, even he was like, nope. Well, Do not need to appear in this. You can kill me off off screen. Then he makes Midway, which is a bad movie, but like way comparative, way better than those. And then Moonfall, which I think people kind of liked ironically this year. Yeah, well, that's just it. It's a so bad it's good movie at best. Yeah, it's a how did this get? I, I will say I didn't see Moonfall because it looked bad, but like seeing the trailer in theaters of just the moon like pinwheeling towards the earth, like yeah. that made me laugh probably as much as any comedy I saw last year. I almost wanted to get a real terrible visual effects nomination so you could have to, like, have an, a reason to see it. 
I mean, I yeah, maybe I would probably watch it. You actually bat, might but... see it just. Well, I think one day I'll get drunk just... and watch it. I know Kelly has zero interest, but like maybe. Well, that's what I was about to say. We need to we need to periodically have a like you catch up on a bad movie, and we'll just. <laughs> oh yeah, we're not gonna have me maybe. catch up on the Father or Titan or any of the ones I've been talking about. No, let's get me on I mean, to you can... Moonfall. I mean, I know what's more likely if we're being honest. Ugh. So, listen, don't call me either, out but... like that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say the things we know are true. Um, this is a very long-winded way of saying, I guess you're, you're sitting out Olympus has fallen or infinite. Oh, God. Yeah, that's how we started. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I saw the trailer for Infinite, and I do think, like, Mark Wahlberg and his modern dumb guy action shtick, like, being, like, an Eternal Warrior is like, what do you mean I'm a samurai? Yeah. Because, of course, he's a samurai. Of course he is. Um uh, yeah, we'll call it a push because they're both bad. Uh, and then finally, the guilty or training day. Ah, damn. The guilty. You knew he was going to do that. Yeah. Ah, Ryan, you sly dog, you. Um, the guilty is a good movie, but except for Gyllenhaal, it's good exclusively because of the ways that the original movie is good. Because it's basically yeah. the same movie, just, you know, with an American coat of paint. Um, whereas Training Day is, like, as close to a classic as he's ever made, and, like, I don't know that Denzel deserved to win the Oscar for it, but he's given a hell of a performance, Ethan Hawke's great in it, it has a lot going for it, yeah, I, I can't not go Training Day. Fair, yeah, no, I have to go Training Day as well. Um, these are, these are two of his better movies, but yeah, you're right, that, I mean, if you've seen The Guilty, you've seen The Guilty, this is nothing new, um. Joan Hall is good. Maybe better than the lead in, in the, the original. That's about all I can say in its favor for the new one. But it is still like a little icky. And Training Day is a rock solid good movie. Yep. Um, Kayfly 208 has a question that Miles is very fond of. Um, they write, with Beast being released, who would win in a fight? various creature feature movies yeah i i I told him on or them on uh twitter but it bears repeating this is by far one of my favorite questions that we've been asked just a good old like what big animal do you think would beat up the other big animal this is the kind of lizard brain content i'm here for oh yeah no i'm gonna i'm gonna not defer to you on some of these but i'm curious your reasoning because i get like very literal with some of these um so the lion from beast versus a gorilla from congo so I assume they're I assume they're talking about the bad lion in Beast, like the one that Idris Elba has to punch in the face. And I assume the the evil gorillas from Congo, the ones who don't want you to touch the the diamonds. Like that's what that movie's about, right? I I saw Congo once when I was young. And I don't stoned. think it's the, I don't think I don't think they. <laughs> that's a way to watch that movie. Um, I don't think they mean the. Um, the good, the good gorilla who like speaks. No, I'm sure it's the think, monster of whatever respective movie. Uh, yeah, and I guess those those gorillas weren't like super villain esque. They were just like there was a lot of them. Well, but I'm like, like the lion from, from Beast yeah. isn't a super villain lion, is he? Uh, it, it it does survive an explosion. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, sorry, I'm going to spoil a part of this movie for you. I'm, I'm not going to watch it. Go bombed. for it. Yeah, it also bombed. Like not bombed, but played like. It opened in so quickly, guys. Um, once upon a time, August was the dumping ground where you put out bad movies just because they would make money because there was nothing there in the way that February is. We don't really have that anymore. There's just enough content. But this clearly was held for a week when they thought it would be like an easy number one at the box office. 
hit lost to a Dragon Ball Z movie that no one knew existed until this weekend. Um, but yes, so early on in the movie, I guess after the first act, the movie that you saw the trailer for gets kicked in. This this lion who had its um, its pride like murdered by poachers is now anti-human, basically going after humans, like kills a whole village. And Shaltokopi is like, lions don't do this. And then they get attacked by the lion. He's injured. Eventually they get him back to the, the truck and the lion's like hunting them. It gets to a point where he's the only one in the car. I think the kids are in the car with him. The lion is attacking to get the lion to um, basically get rid of the lion. The car goes over like a ravine. So that should have killed both of them, by the way, right? Sure. Like flips over. The lion's not dead. Charlotte Copley's not dead. The lion is coming to get him. The car is leaking gasoline. He takes out his lighter and ignites it. So the car explodes. It doesn't kill the lion. Incredible. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, so I think I got to go that line. May, I mean, well, yeah. maybe because I was because aren't the the uh, gorillas from Congo? They're like like super gorillas or something, right? Like they've got an extra. I yeah, can't remember yeah. anything that happens in that. The there's only a, part of that movie I remember is uh, Delroy Lindo yelling at Tim Curry not to eat his sesame cake, just because yeah. that line there's delivery is great. But I don't remember anything else that happens. That is a movie of line deliveries. Um, there's something about the gorillas because of the diamonds they've. I want to say it's like the equivalent of like they've been driven mad by them. Oh, they've got that diamond like, madness. Because don't they? Because they like hunt humans in that movie. And like I like how we're both like asking not. each other what happened in this movie that neither of us remember. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go with the lion though. Okay, well, I mean, I was gonna go with the gorillas because they've got some sort of something. But if the lion survived split, a split with that, but if the lion survived a, an explosion, I think it has to be that. Sure. Um, let us know, people. Um, the next one's more up your alley. Gremlins versus Critters. Oh, there you go. Uh, I think it has to be Gremlins. They're bigger, at, for starters, and they're more creative. Uh, the Critters are just they kind of like creative. tiny little bitey little monsters. Like, I, they're they're one of the I cheapest the monsters way, in any movie, like outside of like bugs or whatever. Like, they're just little like fuzzballs that like roll around and bite people. The Gremlins like go crazy. I'll throw a, a, a quirk into this. Gremlins... Versus Critters versus Tremors. Oh, well, Tremors takes them all because they're fucking enormous. <laughs> yeah. I I kind of want the Tremors ones. But yeah, I think it's got to be Gremlins because they can also just get wet and regenerate. Well, and multiply like they just have. And like you get into Gremlins 2 and there's like bat Gremlins and electricity Gremlins and lady Gremlins. I mean, even in the first one, like, you know, you get the sense they can do things. So like Critters are monsters, but like. Gremlins could be like, I'm going to go get like a biplane and fly this at you. I don't know why I assume they would fly a biplane, but that feels like a gremlin. No, totally. But like, they'll just do whatever. They'll find a gun and shoot it randomly. Like, they'll go stab somebody. They don't give a fuck. The critters have no chance. I also, I also feel like you could like, if you were like a gang, you could get the gremlins in your gang. Maybe. And they'd be down. Like, I mean, I think they would betray you at a heartbeat because they're just Well, yeah, things. they wouldn't like stick to it, but they would like go along with the ride. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I feel like you could I feel in a world where gremlins are just like walking the street and there may be a little less of a murdering thing and more of like just punks. I feel like you could do the equivalent of like if this was like think Robocop kind of like city, just pull up in like your car and be like, come on, we're going to go beat the crap out of this guy. And they'd be like, yeah, and just jump in. That's their kind of vibe. Yeah, for sure. Critters are more like, I'm going to eat you. Um, here, next up, Cujo versus a wolf from the gray. 
Um, well, the wolf from the craze, or I guess there's several of them. Is it just one wolf? He says. There's a couple. He said a wolf. A wolf. So okay, wolf so singular. Or one. Cujo. I mean, they're just kind of yeah. regular wolves. Doesn't Cujo have like the devil in him or something? I think he just has rabies, right? Oh, is that it? Maybe there's more to. I mean, he's mad. He's like a rabid dog. Because if it was just like a dog versus a wolf, surely it goes to a wolf. But I don't know if Cujo has any special properties that would give him the edge. I don't think he's possessed. I think he's just a mad dog. I think you're thinking of like Christine. Well, I think I'm just thinking of didn't Stephen King write this? Yeah, true. Um, Well, then, yeah, if it's just a rabid dog, I'd probably go with the wolf, right? Yeah, it's closer with the with the rabidness, but I think I do go wolf also. Um. I'm going to defer to you on this one because I haven't seen one of the two movies. The Snake from Anaconda versus the Giant Spider from Eight-Legged Freaks. Bet you can't guess which one I didn't see. Uh, hard to say. Um, Probably the Snake from Anaconda. Giants, right? Yeah, um, yeah, but I think Giant Snake versus Giant Spider. I think the snake just has more like muscle to work with. So it would just wrap around and crush the spider and that would be it. I, like the spider is big, but like, I don't know. The snake is just too strong for the spider Aren't to overpower. There, there's also... Are there more than one in that movie? Because it says freaks. Um, I think I haven't seen the movie. It's the only Scarlett Johansson movie I haven't seen. I think I saw it once, but I don't remember it. There's there's like several, but then there's like a monster spider. You know what I mean? Like the spider yeah, queen. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, there's always a spider queen. I mean, yeah, there's only one anaconda, right? In the first anaconda, yeah. Yeah, yeah, by, by like the second but one I, is Anaconda's, I, right? Yeah, I'm assuming this is a one-on-one. And if we're just talking yeah, a yeah. big snake versus a big spider, I have to go with the snake. Also, the snake definitely um, is a hero, because think about who it ate in that movie. Oh, that's right. John Voight. <laughs> there we go. Um, and then Ice Cube the got to say, they got snakes out there this big? And that was yep. pretty good. Uh, the monster from the cave versus the monster from the descent. All right, I know the monster. From, what's the one from the cave? I think it's a similar. I'm looking it up to. Re, that's 2005. I'm going to double check. I've seen this movie. Probably. We definitely have seen it. Yeah, it's one of these bad PG-13 movies. Yeah, they're they're like uh, just creature looking things in the same way. Like, remember the relic? Oh, yeah, I see. Okay, I looked it up, too. It, they remind me of, um, uh, what do they look like? Um, oh, the PG things from uh, Pitch Black, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's also a PG thir- PG-13 movie, so I always kind of give that a uh, like downgrade. Because you never really see it get into the nasty business yeah the descent is a little a little gnarlier i mean the descent is obviously a better movie but i'm just looking at these creatures they are like pretty big and mean and like nasty whereas like the descent cave crawlers are just like they're just dudes basically like they're like ravenous like bloodthirsty dudes who like you know do well but like do we have these cave things look huge so i'm gonna go with the cave things all right we'll split on that one uh blob versus the thing here's an important question can the thing take over the blob because uh, if so, the thing. Otherwise, the block. I don't just, know. Like, that, absorb it. That's a really good question. I mean, the, the thing can do both dogs and humans. So we know it's not limited in that way. But at the same time, I, I guess the interesting question is the blob kills people by, like, you know, surrounding them in itself. So would yeah. the thing be able to take over the blob before the blob kills it by force of sheer contact? Because basically, the Excellent blob pl- touches you and you're dead. So does the yeah. thing have enough time to take over the blob before it 
is dissolved or whatever. And a bigger question, if it does take it over, can anyone tell the difference? True. Also leads to one bigger question. Is John Carpenter currently stoned enough to want to answer this question? I feel like he would have thoughts on it. I mean, it's we're, we record this late at night. Like, he's probably high playing video games, right? That's his thing now. Yeah, one would hope. Uh, well, 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 if anyone is in yeah, any kind ever, of contact with John Carpenter, hit him up, see what he thinks. I'm going to say I, I know, the blob. If I ever interview him, I I think I have to say the blob, too, because we just don't know if the thing can, can take it over. Like, the, the, the thing, thing usually is like dogs and humans, like, you know, things that seem to be comparable size the blob is just this amorphous mass like you get it all over you i just don't know what the thing is doing at that point to fight it i think it would be a hell of a spectacle to see but i think the blob takes it if i ever interview john carpenter i think i have to ask him definitely i wonder i also wonder you think he ever played the thing video game i don't think he's into that kind of game he seems to be more into like madden and shooters and stuff like that it is kind of funny that like he plays like bro games. Oh, totally. <laughs> Which I'm like, I'm into like, God, I want to play Madden against John. Maybe I have played him. If I play Madden online, like maybe I have played John Carpenter. Oh, dare to dream. Um, well, you never know. He wasn't, he wasn't the guy shit talking me who I beat a couple days ago. I love when they do that. I've talked to you about this before. Like when people just want to comment on the game while they're playing, I'm like, it's something very satisfying. Just keeping quiet and winning. Yeah. Um, did you ever play the thing game? Um, I played a little. I think I played like a demo of it. I didn't think it was very well Wildly made. Disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Because the whole thing was about like you would never know when uh, someone was possessed, essentially. And it just it wasn't a mechanic that worked very well. No, because it just leads to kind of a boring game. You know what was a better version of that game? There was a game Among for, Us. I guess PS2. Well, oh yeah. Among Us, kind of. Among Us is weird. You got to play with friends. Yeah. I played that once. Two of my friends, we played it. The problem is you're playing with like six other like 12 year olds. Oh, no. If you're playing with randos, it's no fun. You got to get like a group together and you're all playing on your phones or whatever. Mark, uh, Mark actually told this story to me also about it once. Like you you play it and then immediately you see what people are commenting. Like, nope, your children are not playing this game anymore. Yep. That's fair. Like, boy, is everyone saying mega and that's the best comment they're making but there was a game for the ps2 that was um set in like the snow same idea like a research facility you had a gun and there was this like alien infection thing going on i don't remember what it was called but it was way better very like japanese feeling so it's probably just a, a reskin but so much better i'm as we look this up i'm going to look up like what the the survival horror game it was because I remember having that. And I don't know why I got it. It's one of those ones. There's no way to know why you bought that game, but it was so much better than, than the thing. That's interesting. Cause I'm pretty, I'm pretty on top of most survival horror games, but I don't think I know extermination. that extermination. Oh, from 2001 extermination is the game. Oh, I wonder if it got like good reviews, mixed reviews. Maybe I'm the only one who likes it. The Awards Radar Podcast. Come for the tangents on video games and dating. Stay for the occasional talk about awards. Oh, we'll get there. Just wait till we get to the comments about that. Um, and finally, Jaws versus the Crocodile from Lake Placid. I think the Crocodile, surely, because that's a big sucker, right? Uh, yeah, the, the 
I mean, the shark is big, but... Yeah, but he's just a shark. Like, I don't know that I've ever thought there was anything special about Jaws as a movie monster. He's just, like, he's a slightly bigger than average killer shark that seems to target people. But, like, if we're talking that shark versus the crocodile, no, the crocodile's enormous. It would fuck that shark up. Yeah, I mean, the crocodile's a dinosaur. Like, well, exactly. Yeah, like, anytime they've got, like, some sort of, like supernatural edge whether that's in the context or like the lion from beast where it can just ex- survive an explosion like that always it's takes priority you want to see that movie a little more doesn't it? i i will admit because i wasn't planning on seeing it but now that you've said that it's very dumb but moment to moment it's solid it's just it's one of those movies where people leave the car they leave safety yeah. way too often in this movie that's that's well, what i was worried about well, they because they'll tell other people to like stay in the car, and then they'll get out of the car. Right. It's it's one of those. Uh, let's read some of the comments before we um, talk about awards. Believe it or not. Whoa. Um, Brian H says, "I think everything you're doing is great. So my suggestion is just keep it up. You know what? We can do that. Uh, I think it's a perfect mix, mix of discussing new films and by answering user questions, you mix in films of the past, which I always enjoy, even when I don't agree. Ha! Ah, but yeah, just keep it up. Thank you for the first 100. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Um, Alex says, major congrats on this massive accomplishment, Joey. I guess Miles, too. I've been following you since way back when with Award Circuit. Thank you for making me old. Uh, Some personal thoughts. Take them or leave them. Now that Award season is ramping up, perhaps spend more time regularly focusing on category-by-category thoughts, predictions, etc., as opposed to games. Maybe flip the script time-wise on how much time is spent on each section. That kind of naturally happens once we have more to talk about. Also, it's a little harder when I'm the only one who's seen stuff. At a certain point, you're just talking at people. And it's it's easier once there's a little bit more of Miles maybe has seen it or when Steve is around, he's seen it. it when we have Mark on, when we have Ryan on. So that's sort of a natural evolution of the season um, since it's ramping up. You know, like otherwise, like category by category, it's it's still sort of, it's kind of amorphous. It's the blob right now. Yeah. Um, also, please do more of the Kevin Spacey stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, no. He actually... He actually writes, please excise the Kevin Spacey bit. I found it tiresome them and it's still here years later. Uh, my response was, listen to what we did. We said goodbye. I was going to jokingly announce, we are getting rid of him and spitting him off into his own podcast. Oh, fuck that. The Spice Network. Um, all in all, you've done a fantastic job. Thank you. Thanks for helping keep the community thriving. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, like we were saying goodbye to Kevin Spacey. Trust me, we'll have something even stupider soon. Like, don't worry. But... Yeah, and the award stuff will will come its way. Um, and I believe... That, and Ryan! Ryan McDermott has a comment for us. Stop answering that guy's Filmahawk face-off questions. <laughs> no, I, I did that. Sorry, Ryan. He says, I don't know the first thing about podcasts, but I remember thinking that the idea of a Mars Attacks episode would be a great way to get readers' attention because, A, it's a movie everyone's seen. One that I bet... I'm going to add this part. Tim Burton sort of wishes you did that in theaters. Yeah. Uh, B is remembered both fondly and as a complete failure slash morbid curiosity. And C, literally no one has talked about it since the 90s. Like if somebody wants to hear someone talk about Top Gun Maverick or Prey, they can just keep listening to whatever podcast they're already listening to because everyone's talking about it. But if someone wants their Mars Attacks fix, only at Awards Radar. Or no one listens to it because it's freaking Mars Attacks. Yeah, we're going to do Mars Attacks soon. Great. No, I like Mars Attacks. I think it'll be fun. Yeah. There's there's do, definitely stuff to talk about in it. Sure. I wonder I wonder how much we're going to talk about the aborted dinosaurs attack that was meant to follow it. Oh. 
because that was the other card game uh, or card series, which, by the way, I almost bought when we did that. Once we did that episode. Right. I, I definitely was sitting at an Airbnb counter, kitchen counter in California after we finished it, that podcast and pulled up on Amazon. Like they collected like all the cards in like a book because it's all just like alien shoot someone and they explode dinosaur eats someone. It's all just people being murdered by aliens or dinosaurs with a very vague like story. And I kind of wanted to buy it, but I think it was like prohibitively expensive. Well, probably good reason not to. Yeah, I mean, they're, I've made stupider purchases. Uh, but since you guys asked, let's talk about award stuff. Mainly that award season is coming because the festival season is coming. Uh, we're recording this on August 23rd. Next week's episode will be the last before I go to Telluride. Um, I believe I'm going to talk with Mark a little bit um, to sort of let him explain some of what Telluride is from someone who's been there before. So the next episode will be recorded before Telluride, and the next episode will be recorded after Telluride. Keep that in mind. Ryan might come back for after Telluride. A lot of, a lot of things to keep in mind. There. But I'll give you an idea of, one, what's played in the past at Telluride in Toronto, New York, that kind of thing. So you can kind of get a sense of what might happen this year, and also talk about what might be playing at, well, we don't know about Telluride, but what I'm possibly seeing at Toronto, for example. So I did a little bit of schedule building. And the only things I can promise you I'm seeing right now at Toronto are weird. The Al Yankovic story, which Roku original. (laughs) Yeah, I'm curious. Um, The Woman King. Nice. Bros, which that has a chance to be maybe like one of the like the audience award winner. Oh, totally. If it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They're really pushing interviews for that. So they, they seem confident. Um, the Fablemans, for obvious reasons. Sure. Uh, then I'm pretty sure I'm going to see the Jennifer Lawrence, Brian Tyree, Henry, Henry movie now called Causeway, which I really hope is good, but I'm I'm kind of skeptical. Like that one's the one that like Apple took over from A24. Like yeah, it's maybe maybe a sign of like oh boy, um, the whale. I'm I'm skipping so many other things to make sure I see the whale. Going by how the schedule is going to go. Uh, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Yay. I currently have a uh, a real big uh, conflict to figure out, which is the Banshees of Inishirin or the Sun. I mean, so if I it was me, I would go Banshees in a heartbeat, but I know we don't always. True. Well, I have to see what, what I can do with other... So the way it works is you get at a later date, I'm going to get opportunities to go to the public screenings, you know, the... They right. provide tickets. So these are just the P&I, the press and industry screenings. Um, and then, uh, depending on how... I mean, if I do Banshee's Not the Sun, I can see uh, VHS 99. Oh, well, there you go. I kind of like the VHS movies. Especially the last one. The last one was way better than the last couple. Wait, have you seen more than the first one or two? I've seen the first two, and I think... The third one's rough. I think with both of them, the guy who did the raid did a sketch from two that was really good. But outside of that, I think like they all have like five mini movies and there's like usually no more than one or two good ones in the batch. I don't remember what the best one in the first one was, but they were all okay. Um, Yeah, none of them really blew me away except for the raid one, which was like, oh, yeah, the raid one in two is is a real highlight. There is. 
There is one in the last one that is similar to that. There's two that are similar to that. One is like a mad scientist kind of thing, but like making like a bionic man almost. Mm-hmm. That's so violent and absurd. That's great. I don't remember a couple of them, but I remember they were mostly pretty good. And the opening one is like, and because it what was, was VHS 80 or 91. It was supposed to be like a period one. Yeah, 84, one, wasn't it? Or 84, maybe, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. The first one is like a newscast on like, oh, we're going to do an investigative report into um, the rat man. You know, someone living in the sewer. Okay. And it turns out that there, there is literally a giant rat, but it's Ratma, like a cult monster thing. Oh, That okay. basically spits on you and turns you into a, like, monster. It's so violent and absurd. You would like that one. Okay. Um, however, if I don't go to see VHS 99, I can see Pearl. <sighs> oh, I don't know, though. I would do Pearl out of those. Yeah, and then I think at the moment I end, Tiff, on The Greatest Beer Run Ever, which just got a trailer, which really looks like the guy from Green Book made another movie, but this one won't be offensive. I mean, you say that, but it's about a Vietnam beer run. I think he'll find a way. Yeah, we'll see. It looks looks like Green Book, like removed from what, you know, the season, probably enjoyable. Hopefully less controversy this time. Um. And then I'm pretty sure things that I didn't mention there, like I'm pretty sure Empire of Light will be at Telluride, so I'll see it there. I think one of Broker and Decision to Leave will be there. Um, I think Bardo. I think the Luca Guardini like Cannibal movie will be there. So like things like that that I didn't mention will probably get handled at Telluride. Uh, we'll also soon know about some of the stuff because Venice has um, The Whale and some of these other films. But... I want to talk about what happened last year to set the stage. So also you've seen the movies like, well, some of them. So yep. 2021 Venice film festival. So the way the schedule works is Venice, Telluride, Toronto, New York. Okay. So last year they opened with parallel mothers. They gave their golden lion the happening. The official selections that mattered for us were they had the card counter didn't do anything, but was a periphery player, I would say, right? At best. Yeah. Uh, the Hand of God got a foreign nomination and kind of didn't do a whole lot else. Uh, happening didn't go very far. The Lost Order, big success out of that. Yep. Arguably exceeded expectations. Parallel Mothers, The Power of the Dog, and Spencer. That's what was in competition. So out of that Spencer, Power of the Dog, Lost Order, right? That's what emerges as Oscar players. Yeah. Out of competition, they played Dune, emerges as an Oscar player, but also was mainly their like way of being like, we promise it's good. Mainly, I guess, like people like me were skeptical. Halloween Kills wasn't an Oscar player. <laughs> Can't Last imagine why. <laughs> wasn't an Oscar player. Old Henry, which I didn't realize played there. I liked Old Henry, even though, again, didn't do anything. Um, I said Last Night in Soho just now. Uh, and The Last Duel. Which which should have been a maybe. player. Yeah. That's a... Uh, yeah. Listen. Welcome. Take your pants off. We can just now say it as, like, longing for the days when we heard Ben Affleck say, Welcome. Take your pants off. The good old days. Right. Then... 
the good old days. Uh, then Telluride starts. They have the Automat documentary that I saw this year that I actually really like. Uh, they had Belfast. Remember when we all about that and then Toronto, we all came out saying it's just going to win Best Picture. The race is over. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Bergman Island didn't become a player, but well liked. Come on, come on. Oddly ignored. Cyrano, which, listen, they did their best to hide that movie from us until it came out. Yeah, I don't know. They fucked that movie. That still upsets me. Never has a movie less wanted to be released than Cyrano. Uh, Electrical Life of Louis Wayne, another movie that only exists as a title. Encounter. Flea. The Hand of God played there as well. A Hero. Which, I guess, Eskar Farhadi is kind of, like, fallen now. Because of the plagiarism accusations, which I don't know that anything came of that, right? I haven't heard anything about it since then. Yeah, but haven't heard anything about him making a new movie either. Sure. So maybe the money dried up, I don't know. Uh, King Richard debuted at Telluride. The Lost Daughter played there. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On played there. Did it really? Uh, huh. Yeah. There's, all, there's almost always a movie there that's not going to come out until the next year. Like that. Like the year before that, it was um, The Assistant. Oh, interesting. So I kind of, I kind of want to see if I can find what movie that's going to be when I'm there, just because I want to see if I can be like early on in something interesting. Uh, Petite Mama played there. The Power of the Dog played there. Red Rocket played there. The Rescue, and that was going to win the Oscar for documentary. Spencer also played there, and I think that was the stuff. So like, good stuff, right? Yep. Um. But you can see there starts to be a pattern of like what's playing multiple places. Some of that is what there's confidence in. And some of that is also just if you go to one festival, sometimes you're limited into uh, what you can play. So here is Toronto. Toronto opens with Dear Evan Hansen. Boy, that's real swing and a miss, eh? I, I've told this to people before, but I was so I was in the crowd. Uh, my ex and I went, and Stephen uh, Stephen Jabotsky gets out and is like super excited. You guys are gonna love this movie, and even if you don't, that's okay. But you're gonna like it, I promise. And I thought about that. I was like, oh, he's really confident. Remember the movie ends. There's two people in front of me who are like sobbing, but I turned to my my now ex girlfriend at the time and went, I think I might have hated most of that. And she's like, good, because I didn't like that either. And <laughs> Turns out we were right. <laughs> I think the way I described that to some people is like, that movie's a one step forward, three steps back movie. Like, there'll be a scene that works and then they'll screw it up like right at the end of that scene. Like, never mind. Um, also, at TIFF, Belfast, that's where I saw it. Bergman Island, The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne, where I saw it. The Forgiven, which came out this year <laughs> and also no one saw. The Good House hasn't come out yet. Uh, Lakewood, which then became The Desperate Hour and I think came out this year is terrible. Terrible Naomi Watts movie. Shame that it's directed by Philip Noyce. It's not Noyce. Oh, I don't I think there. I even heard about that one. It's a movie where she's like on a run. She's a mom and like there's a lockdown at her school, her son's like school because of a school shooter and it's all just her like making phone calls. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I heard that was. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Last Night in Soho, I was disappointed by it. I know that kind of went more than one way for people. Yeah. I don't remember. I, you were disappointed I, also, I think, right? I, I wasn't a big fan. Yeah. Shame. Like, we should love that movie. 
Yeah, uh, I, I like Mad a lot Moon's of what Ball. it's doing. In many ways, it's this year's Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, Melanie Laurent's movie, The Mad Woman's Ball. Um, the Survivor, Barry Levinson, which became a TV movie. The Worst Person in the World. Fine, according to Miles. Yeah. Brilliant, totally fine. To me. Um, also played there, let's see. Things that are notable. Drive My Car. Very notable. Encounter plays there as well. Um, the Eyes of Tammy Faye. Meets to puzzled reviews. Goes on to win two Oscars. Uh, the Guilty plays there. The Humans. I'm Your Man. Uh, Mothering Sunday. Official competition. Petite Maman. The Power of the Dog. The Starling. I fully think only I saw that movie. That title sounds familiar. Which one is that? That's the one with uh, it's the Ted Melfi movie with Melissa McCarthy. There's literally a, a starling that she's like chasing while she's dealing with her. Oh, being, didn't that yeah. turn into like a Netflix movie or something? Yep, Netflix. I mean, Netflix paid a ton of money for that movie. Oh, why? <laughs> uh, I think before they, it was on the blacklist. I feel like they bought it before they made it. Like they bought the rights. I don't remember. Um, what else played there? Where is Anne Frank? Violet. Really underrated uh, Olivia Munn movie. Uh, that movie Wolf. Dune played as a special event. A hero played. Memoria, which by the way is coming back to New York. You want to come see it? Uh, that, that, yeah, yeah, that's all you. Alright. Uh, Spencer. Compartment number six. Jockey. Let's see. Is there anything else that played at TIFF that was notable? The Wheel, which I saw was alright. I think those are most of the, besides like some documentaries like Attica, yeah. Lee, Julia, Julia, The Rescue. I don't think there was much. I'm, I'm checking Midnight Madness. Oh, Titan. Well, that had already so played like, at like Cannes, right? Yeah. Won the Palm Door. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was that. And then I'll go with New York to give you like a sense. So, Again, consider this sort of like your prep for like what could play compared to what played last year, since we'll we'll be able to talk more about it next year. Um, let's see. Uh, at NYFF was a very strange movie that has a wild title, Bad Luck Banging or Looney Porn. I saw that movie. Insane. Insane I, movie. I, was it Mitch or someone like that who was on the pod who was talking about that one? I remember hearing that title and being like, what the fuck is that? That's the one that we both were talking about it because it's the one that has a warning before you watch it that, like, it's porn, but it's funny, kind of. Right. It had a weird, like, warning before it played. Do you you know what it's about? I probably did at the time, but I don't remember. It's this wild movie about a a teacher who makes, who, like, makes a sex tape with her husband. Oh, no, I know exactly what it is. Yeah, there were, um... There's trailers for it at my local indie place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So anyone who doesn't know, like, they make a sex tape. That's the first act of the movie is watching their sex tape. Unsimulated. So it's it's a lot. Um, But not, like, crazy extreme. But then, essentially, the sex tape gets leaked. And the school wants to, like, have a hearing of whether or not she can get fired. But then the second act is a montage which is just the director's, like, thoughts on random things. So from the Wikipedia page, some observations are humorous. For social distancing, a clip of a traditional Romanian folk dance modified to comply with distance regulations because it takes place during COVID. 
Some are more bitter. For the French Revolution and Romanian Revolution, violent scenes from the uh, events are depicted, followed by shots of commercial products named after the events. Some are outright caustic. For example, a 24-7 funeral home is shown. Uh, open and attracting a long line directly opposite a hospital. A few of the definitions involve depictions of graphic nudity or unsimulated sex acts. That's like a solid, like, third of the... The movie's 106 minutes. That's like 35 minutes of the movie. And then the final act is a... Is like her, like, essentially trial. It is a wild movie. I don't know that it's a good movie, but it's a wild movie. Interesting. Speaking of wild, Benedetta plays at the New York Film Festival. Oh, there you go. I like that movie a lot more than Bad Luck Bang. Bergman Island plays there. Drive My Car plays there. Flea plays there. Things we've already uh, played other places. Memoria plays there. Uh, you sure you don't want to watch it again? I'm positive. It's only three hours and five minutes. <sighs> Felt it, didn't it? Like, uh, uh, just you, I genuinely want you to go see it so you can understand where I'm coming from. No. Um, passing plays there. Petite Maman plays there. The Souvenir Part 2, Titan. The Velvet Underground documentary. Gaspar Noé's Vortex. Uh, Real Fortune Fantasy. There's two Hamaguchi movies there. There you go. Worst Person in the World. Um, what else plays there? Come On, Come On. Dune. Bell. French Dispatch, The Lost Daughter, Red Rocket, and the first souvenir as well. So that's what last year's festival season basically looked like. So for this year, will it resemble it? Will it be different? It's very hard to tell, but I'm I'm intrigued. I mean, I told you guys what some of the things I'm going to see will be. I'm pretty sure Bardo is going to be in there. Um was the Terry Ride have also that I'm pretty sure is playing. Like I said, the Guadagnino film. There's one or two other things that I know of that I'm just, I'm spacing on. And then, uh, I guess, yeah, we talked about what's playing in Toronto already in the, in when the lineup came out, right? Yeah. Uh, but I'll give you NYFF's 2022 lineup right now. Um, let me find it. But that, that's a weird one, I'll tell you right now, because the um, their uh, like main slate is, is a little strange this year to me. I don't know if that's just because I haven't seen the things, but it is... I guess it's, it's not even that it's weird, it's just it's light on the um, Oscar caliber stuff, I think. So they're right. opening with White Noise. Okay, so that's where White Noise After Venice is going to be. Um, their centerpiece is All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, which is a documentary, which is always weird. Also, it's after it plays. It, this might be the only film that I think that's playing is all four of the main film festivals. So it probably means it's very good, but also a little bit of a weird thing to put as your centerpiece. And then the biggest wild card for me is that The Inspection is the closing film. Right. Which A24 has, and there was literally nothing, no buzz on until it was announced as the closing film and now it's going to tiff i think it might be a tell you right as well like i'm sure it's it's also 93 minutes which i'm delighted by but that trailer just came out did you watch it not yet is it anything i can't tell i think jeremy pope looks like he's very good but it looks like a movie we've seen before with the with the slight um not twist but like change in the material of like it's a gay man as well 
as opposed to, you know, we've seen a lot of like basic training. Like I need to make something of, you know, I need to prove that I'm someone by surviving this. So like there's an added like, not quirk, but reason to tell the story again. But I don't know that it's going to be more than like, all right, this is this is interesting. Uh, they have Armageddon time, which I, I'm pretty sure I'll like. I like James Gray, but still kind of hard to figure out what they thought of at, at Cam with that one. Everyone seemed to like it with one or two exceptions, but vaguely sort of reserved, I think. Yeah, I know. So it was mixed, but not in a way that like showed much passion either way. Yeah, the only review that I know who didn't like the movie was someone who I, I felt like didn't get the movie because their complaint was very strange. Okay. It was about like one part of the finale, which from what I understand is not the point of the movie. But we'll both have seen it soon, so we'll talk about it. I'm sure you're interested, right? Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. Uh, Decision to Leave is at NYFF. Park Chan-wook. Well, that which one is I'm a, very uh, excited for. Murder mystery. Yeah, it's like a, it's his like Hitchcock movie. Not that he's never done one of those before. Sure. But still, I'm, I'm into it. I will probably see it somewhere before then. But if not, I'll check it out there. Um, EO is there. It's at other festivals, too. But that's the, um, the donkey movie. Yeah, which <laughs> we've been hearing bizarre praise for. It's 86 minutes long. I'm, I'm going to watch it. Um, Joanna Hogg from The Souvenir has The Eternal Daughter. Which is a Tilda Swinton playing like a middle-aged filmmaker. Oh. Taking like her elderly mother when they stop at like a fog shrouded hotel. It's a gothic excavation of parent child relationships. Fascinating. Sure. Uh, NYFF has Paul Schrader's Master Gardener. Paul Schrader, interesting filmmaker, needs to not be on Facebook. Desperately. Yeah. Um, a startling tale about dormant violence and the possibility of regeneration centering on a horticulturist, Joel Egerton, who works for the imperious owner of a wealthy estate, and that's Sigourney Weaver. Sure, I'm in. Okay. Um, other things of note. Mia Hansen Love has another movie there. Uh, One Fine Morning, that's Leia Sado. I like Leia Sado. Um, NYFF goes very um, international and also likes very specific filmmakers like Christian Mungu from uh, four months, three weeks and two days has a movie there. They're always there. And those movies are always Romanian sad movies. I was just about to say very sad type movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe the, the best misery porn movies out there, but they're misery porn. Uh, what else is it? Alice Diop made um, Atlantics there a couple years ago. Okay, yeah. She has a new movie there. Um, Showing Up is going to be there from Cannes, the Kelly Reichardt movie. Sure. Which Michelle Williams is apparently good in, but kind of got, like, shrugged off. Claire Denis has a movie there. Betcha it's weird. Betcha it is. So here's how you describe it. Stars at noon and Claire Denis' surprising contemporary thriller. Because remember when she made a surprising science fiction movie? Was, yeah. Uh, a, dis- a dissolute young American journalist, Margaret Qualley. I like that. That's interesting casting. An English businessman, Joe Alwyn. I'm sure he's very nice. Uh, with ties <laughs> to the oil industry. He's fine. Like, I haven't disliked him in anything, but he's very bland, I think. Right? What's his best role? 
Is it because Billy Lynn? Billy Lynn, probably. Well, no, no, he was probably it's the favorite. Oh yeah, it's absolutely the favorite. But he's also like sixth best in that movie at best. Oh no, he doesn't stand out, but he is good in it. Um, Yeah, yeah, like that's his best work. I, I, I would have reserved that comment for Margaret Qualley. I haven't liked her in anything. I think she's pretty. I think she's a very interesting filmmaker. I'm trying. Well, we'll look in a minute what I've liked her in because I may just be projecting. Like I think she's interesting. Uh, he has ties the oil industry. And they meet by chance on different mysterious assignments in modern day Nicaragua and tumble into a whirlwind romance. So a Nicaraguan romance thriller from Claire Denis. Okay. Cool. A uh, tar will be there. Oh, that one I'm looking forward to. Love it. Uh, very excited for that one. Less exciting about the running time. Oh, how long is it? Two hours and 37 minutes. Oh, okay. That's a little brutal. It's such a, it's also a weird running time, like over two and a half hours, but just barely. Yeah. You can't read much into that, but that means it's got to have very specific pacing. Ugh. Also, I love that nobody will tell you what this movie's about. It's about, uh, it's the, about, uh, Kate Blanchett breathing smoke, right? Probably. Uh, so here it is a one sentence preview, much of it taking up that Todd Fields first movie in a long time. Uh, the charismatic and emotional precision of Kate Blanchett are put to astounding use in this deft showcase for the actor's musical artistry. A singing portrait of a world famous orchestra conductor's gradual unraveling that is the first film in 16 years from Todd Field. So nothing we haven't gathered already. Yeah, no, that's okay. Triangle of Sadness. Yeah, I mean, um, won the Palm Door. There's got to be something to it. We'll have seen before I go there. So, shh. But I'm seeing it very soon. Very interested in that movie. Don't love that that movie's two and a half hours long. Oh, God. Is there going to be a lot of those this season? I'm going to look that up in a second before I finish with this. Um. Also there, Hong Sang So has Walk Up. All right, Bones and All from Luca Guadagnino is going to be at, at uh, NYFF. You know what that one's about, right? Cannibalism. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be pretentious, right? Because Also, pretentious. can we just stop and... I'm sure this is a massive coincidence, but there is something about the fact that the two people who worked with Army Hammer on Call Me By Your Name are now collaborating for a cannibalism movie. True. I wonder how Taylor Russell fits in. Who's to say? She's the innocent yeah. POV who's watching the actor and director work out their weird relationship with this whole thing. Maybe. Uh, remember like a couple weeks ago when everyone was like, oh, Army Hammer's a real estate agent now and they were mocking him and like, I don't know, mock him for being a cannibal. Maybe not like working on his job, but you know, that's a whole other thing. So can you imagine if like you when you were going to get your house, like if Army Hammer was your realtor? Well, I think he I don't think he was a realtor. I think he was working at like a resort or something. I think he was I think he was selling time timeshares. So, like, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Which so, like, is such a real, like a hustler realtor. It's such a one percenter down on your luck job. Yeah. I mean, I think they said he was working in like a like a you know, like a cubicle type thing. Can you imagine like, hey, it's Army. I guess he has to say, like, hey, this is Army from like, you know, or Ar- Miles Hughes Realtors. You know, whatever it is. I'm sure he's like, you know, Armand or, you know, whatever the longer version. So, I mean, you, you can hear his voice. This is Armand Hammer. That's not a better. That's well, that, yeah, specific. you're right. That's not better at all. <laughs> he's he's kind of stuck. But wouldn't you be fascinated if he was like, I'm going to show you this house now. You'd have to stay as long as possible, right? Just to like kind of see if you could broach the subject in any way. 
I mean, no, he's not going to put up with that. He lost his career over it. <laughs> I mean, if he's hard up for money, you know, like, I'll, I, I will buy this house, but you have to you have to let me interview you first. Yeah. Like real talk. Is the cannibalism yeah. thing true? Well, no, you don't do that. You got to be like, isn't it fucked up? Like, like you, you, you take his side as you talk because, you know, because that's when they get more, more honest with you. You know, if you start with like, is cannibalism true? You're like, of course not. I'm I'm searching for the OJ killer at the same time. But if you're like, wow, they really hassled you. You know, he might be like, yeah, like all I did was like nibble someone once. You never know. By the way, bones and all two hours and 10 minutes long. Now that's that's doable. Better. Uh, based on a YA book, though, which I don't like super love. Uh, she said is going to New York. Two hours and 15 minutes. Okay. Um, you can watch uh, all 166 minutes of the 50th anniversary screening of Solaris. Well, that's something. Uh, Till, the Emmett Till, uh, not biopic, but like the, the story of his mother will be at uh, NYFF. It is two hours and 10 minutes long. Can I just say, I saw the trailer for that movie right in front of Nope. And <laughs> considering that Nope is all about like the commodification of spectacle born out of trauma... There's, I don't want to, you know, I'm sure everyone making the Till movie has very good intentions, but there is something about that particular story that feels a little, it, yeah, it also looks like fine at best. Well, yeah, beyond the fact that it looks very generic for what it is. Yeah. Yep. Um, This one might actually interest you. So women talking, which I believe is going to tell you, right? Yeah. That's Sarah Polly's, uh. Movie, which I didn't realize. I, all I heard was it was about like a religious community. And I was like, oh, no. Um, it's actually about like sexual assault. Oh. In that community. Why, like, why would that interest you know, me? No, no, not not interest you. But I think that's a more compelling movie. Okay. Than like this dry like, oh, Francis McDormand and Jesse Buckley. and. Well, listen, I love that cast. Is it Florence Pugh, I think? Uh, no, it's um, uh, Claire Foy. There might be someone else. There, I mean, there's um, a pretty big cast. Yeah. Um, that one, you know, what I was trying to get at was, you know what you'll like about that one? 104 minutes. Oh, I do like that. Yeah. Uh, Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, Francis McDormand, Ben Wishaw, and Judith Ivory. There you go. Uh, Ivy. It's a deep and surging exploration of self-determination, group responsibility, faith, and forgiveness. Philosophically engaging and emotionally rich in equal measure. Right. What do you want to I'm, bet I'm, that I'm, uh, Francis McDormand is going to be the equivalent of the uh, Meryl Streep character from Little Women? 100%. Yeah, that's the vibe oh, yeah, I that, get already. Yeah, it, it's going to be. Um, by the way, White Noise does not have a runtime yet. Oh, I'll wait with bated the, breath. Yeah, the documentary is 113 minutes. The inspection is 93 minutes. Okay. Armageddon time, 114, under two hours. I'll take it. That surprises me. Armageddon time has the feeling of what would be a longer one. Yeah. Uh, decision to leave is 220, though. Yeah, but that's Park Chan-wook. I'll indulge him. Yeah. Also, I, were, we talking, were we talking about this off air or on air? Like, Korean films tend to be a little longer. You're talking about you're going to review a Korean film. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> listen, EO, 86 minutes. The gothic Tilda Swinton Joanna Hogg movie, 96 minutes. Not bad. Master Gardener, 107 minutes. So that's helpful. Um, the the Christian Mungu movie, 125 minutes. Showing up, 108 minutes. The Claire Denis movie, almost 220. Like I said, with Tar, 157 minutes. Triangle of Sadness, 147 minutes. 
So we've got uh, some long movies built in here. Well, I'm calling it now. The short ones are the ones that are just going to bounce off, and the long ones are the ones we're going to have to talk about all year. Probably. I'll take it. As long as they're good. What, what was, was that? Was that Cisco or that was Cisco? Right? No, no short movie is too short. The too long. No, no, no good movie is too long. No bad movie is too short. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't think it was Ebert. It definitely wasn't Roper. It wasn't at the movies. It was gonna. It was. It was Cisco. Yeah. At the movies, very little quotes. Well, I like that joke more than you did. Judging by the dead air. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I didn't think it was funny. <laughs> That's fine. Overruled. All right. We're going to wrap up now. Uh, like I said, next week we're going to preview Telluride. Also, will you have seen 3,000 Years of Longing? I've got my tickets for Thursday night. Excellent. My review will be up on the site by the time this goes up. Uh, next week, Miles can report back if it did indeed have enough genie fucking for him. Does it? Uh, but we will see. Um, by the way, I don't want to uh, like set your expectations differently. I have a feeling it might not be fresh by the time you see it. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, I'm it's something I want to see on the big screen and it'll be what it'll no, be. It looks great. It looks great. It, it definitely benefits from admiring the visuals. But yeah, it is a uh, 66% right now. Well, it's also a weird one. I mean. You know. Yeah, that's true. I, I like a lot of movies that are week? right in the middle in the tomato meter. I think Breaking is about to be out. I'd like to check out that if I have the time. Yeah, no, if you can see that one, I'm curious what you think. Um, Alienoid is coming out this week. Uh, I think those are sort of the main things. Samaritan, I don't know anything about. So, oh, it's the, the St- it's the Stallone superhero thing. Yeah, I have no interest in that. Yeah, that's not a real. And the invitation is and just like maybe it's a cool concept, but they give away the whole damn movie in the trailer. Exactly. Um, the only other thing, uh, the Good Boss is opening, which has played every film festival and just kind of like never opened, which is a little weird. The only other one that's interesting is Funny Pages, which I just reviewed. What a weird movie! Uh, it'll also make you feel old because you know who directed that movie? Who? Owen Klein. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We we talked. Well. Yeah, we talked about yep. this. Yeah, that is, that is something. It is a uh, one of the more intentionally off-putting movies I've seen in a while. To the point where, like, I don't think I enjoyed it, but I have like massive amounts of respect for like the fuck you of it all. Well, I it's, mean, this is coming from the kid whose entire subplot in the whale was that he kept jerking off and rubbing it on books or whatever. I mean, this is about a. a kid who's a budding like cartoonist who draws basically pornographic uh cartoons oh so you know (laughs) i listen don't pay to see it but i would be wildly fascinated what you thought of it i feel like (laughs) i i i I don't think you would like it but i think you'd be just kind of like me in the same way like i'm so puzzled by what's happening i have to keep watching okay Uh, but you don't have to i saw it so you don't have to as i've long said all right so Say where you can be followed. And you know what? Because you're excited for the Killer Clowns from Outer Space video game. What's the next horror franchise that should get a video game? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, we've been doing well with uh, horror games lately, even if mo- most of them have been the asymmetrical multiplayer variety. Um, that seems to be what they're doing now. Yeah. Yeah, that's the vibe, which I think because Dead by Daylight was popular. 
or is yeah, oh, that's still popular. Um, but anyway, you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. Please check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They are both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. I just realized I forgot to say that's M-Y-L-E-S on film. And yes. so, like, it's, oh, God, I've got this down to a science and I threw myself off. Um, uh, check out my We're writing. Doing it live. We're doing it live. Uh, check out my writing on Awards Radar and Looper. Got a Saw article coming out soon. Uh, and, uh, oh, what's a good horror? I want to see a good, uh, Freddy game. I think you could do something with like, you know, nightmare, uh, you know, realities and stuff like that. And like, maybe stuff's constantly changing. Do you ever play that game control? Yeah, I, I couldn't get into it, it's, but it's, I, I could see that being a, a type of that game. It's worth sticking with because it gets really good towards the end. And there's like a whole action sequence where you're in this like Inception style, like constantly changing room. Um, nice. It was a little harder than I liked. It was a hard game. That's fair. I, I got into it pretty quickly. But uh, but yeah. yeah, something in like the Freddy universe where, yeah, he's like manipulating dreams and you could do the multiplayer thing. You could do a single player thing. I don't know. I think there's ways to do it. And also I've always technically a horror thing they've done a million terminator games before but i've always wanted to see like one a a couple years ago right i I mean yeah and they're all pretty whatever i think it was was bad yeah uh but i would always i've always wanted to see like a proper like open world game where you play as a terminator and like you've got to like hunt down your your target like old-fashioned way like talk to people phone book scan stuff etc and like do like chases and stuff I, i don't know there's something to be done with that yeah all right uh, yeah, Terminator Resistance from 2019 was the last one. Yeah. And I believe it was not well-received. It was not. Also, um, they just... I'm, I'll talk about my pick in a second. Uh, find me at Joey Magazine, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. Uh, oh, I was going to say OnlyFans. That's not right. Um, not yet, at least. Uh, Awards Radar is on several things. Um, I would love a really good RoboCop game. Not horror, but like just because we think of it. There was supposed to be one coming out. I think it got delayed till next year. Yeah, but there was a trailer for it not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah, and the trailer was like fine. It wasn't like, I don't know. The trailer did not make me think this is going to be an amazing game. Sure. But I think so much of the interesting part about RoboCop would be being RoboCop. And as a first person shooter, you're not. I don't know that you're really RoboCop. You do lose a little bit Um, of it there. Yeah, I agree. Totally. I also feel like it's not going to be as violent as it needs to be. Like, the entire point of Robocop is the absurd violence. Um, I I also want to quickly say that Freddy game could work. I hope it does, just doesn't feel like the dream sequences in Max Payne. Well, yeah, nothing should aspire to be those. Just, just falling off a red line a million times while Freddy calls you bitch. Oh, God, that sounds like a nightmare. Also, that game... Well, that then game maybe that's it. Have, yeah, like... Well, there's a whole other version of the game. Like, is there if you play as Freddy, could you like intentionally bad gameplay mechanics? (laughs) Well, not even that, but like combo style put together your insult. I mean, that's a whole little mini game within the game, but sure. Yeah, like that's but that's that's Freddy. I mean, like that's not Freddy. Like he started just being vile. Like, did he say the C word to someone at least once? Like he's 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 not nice. (laughs) No. Uh, Well, and he also has that racial slur from Freddy versus Jason that everyone tries really hard to forget. Yeah, well, that's that's also when he got into puns, which made it even worse. Yeah, he, he's he's not even content to be racist. He has to also like make a little rhyme out of it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the era of Freddy where like if he if he killed Miles, he'd be like, you know, 
I, I, it's a long walk to kill you, bitch. Like he would just reference something about like your name or your activities. Yeah. And always say bitch. Um, he very much is the, uh, was it um, Scary Terry? Yeah. Which also is, like we said, just uh, Sonic Beats. Yep. It's all a circular thing here. Um, I want a good Saw game. That's what I'm going to say. The two Saw games were not great. Yeah, I mean, they weren't terrible. They were like, you know, Silent Hill-esque, like little puzzle horror games. But yeah, they weren't. Yeah. The, the, I think there's definitely room. I think you could do a really good uh, VR game with Saw. Saw would be a good VR game. You know what would be a good VR game? Maybe Hostile. Sure. Because so much of those, like the the error of torture porn, like, and we can get into that another time. Like, I don't, like I've said, I don't love that phrase, especially for some of those movies that I think are a little better than others. Yeah. So much of it is observing, like, the stuff going on. So, yeah, like a VR game where there's not a lot to do, per se, but you're you're like, will you look at the awful thing happening? That could be. Was What's that uh, Kojima Silent Hill game? Um, PT? PT, yeah. It, like, that's PT, just, like, basically observing. Oh my god, a Kojima walking simulator saw game. Oh, I'd play it. Kojima doing... A new Kojima game, I'll take that. Well, yeah, I mean, one step at a time. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, next week we'll be back talking about film festivals and the things that we've seen and uh, your questions, so be sure to get those in. And until then, we will see you at the movies. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content. <laughs>